Welcome to Center Stage with international opera star Pamela Kuhn. And now, here is your host, Pamela Kuhn. Welcome to Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. Sometimes legends are born, and sometimes legends are the product of blood, sweat, and tears. We are going to come back today to a legend that was a combination of both. And while earning that status, she maintained a smile and the most positive attitude throughout all the various stages and challenges of her life. I am speaking of the child star with the stage name Betty Ross, but in actuality, she is my mom, Elizabeth Kuhn. Not many people achieve the status of legend. In my mind, perhaps the strongest legends are those that are the unsung heroes of life. I think that if I walk down the street right now, I can pick out a few people who, if their story was to unfold to us, might also achieve greatness in our eyes for simple acts of strength and courage. And in my mother's case, this is most definitely true. And to those who know her and her generosity, they know exactly what I am speaking of. In the first part of this interview, we spoke about her early days as a child star, singing and dancing on radio in Detroit, Michigan. With the family's move to Los Angeles, her stage mother took full advantage of the opportunity to put her daughter in front of the camera in Hollywood. Betty Ross sang, danced, and whistled her way through countless live variety shows like Piano Portraits. She was recognized by a talent scout and offered a movie contract with a proviso that she would not marry for five years. Well, that tipped the scales of this sassy woman. She had designs on the boy next door, the son of farmers from Arizona. They married, and he whisked her off to the second chapter of her life in the wilds of eastern Oregon. Being a lovely, loving wife and mother, she would have to scrape to find her artistic arenas in a land that was bare, even with country-western music. But she would do it with local performances and visual art. And then came her life as a caregiver, a writer in the local newspaper, and her eventual book on caregiving. Her acts of generosity and strength were markers for me in my life as a performer. But more importantly, she left an imprint on our family of the necessity of charitable acts of human kindness that we must pay forward. What becomes a legend most? I think the answer is perseverance. So let's pick up our conversation again from my Mother's Day visit to her. But first, let's hear one of her beautiful recordings in this rendition of I Get Along Without You Very Well. The thrill of 
Yes, when I retired from the bank, uh, my, I uh, went to work for the East Oregonian, and I wrote a column, My Little Corner. And it was just, and he said to write anything that would be of interest to their readers. Mm -hmm. So I looked around every week. I would run out looking around and see what I could find to write about, and ended up with a column every week. Sometimes it was just pushing something that was going on in the community, but most of the time it was something that would happen in my life that would normally happen in somebody else's life and the lessons you learn from it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. such as falling down and skinning myself because I tripped on it, <laughs> tripped, tripped on, on the uh, sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> but you always had great columns, and, and this gave you a wonderful opportunity to reach out to the public and everyone who knew you and knows how warm you are and how gracious and how kind. It was only reinforced what kind of person you were through your column. It was a wonderful yeah, time for you. It was. It was good. And while I was at the bank, I, I went to a conference on proposals, learning to write proposals so that I could write them at the bank to get the things that were needed for us from the board. And I met a publisher, and he knew how interesting I interested I was in uh, caregiving because I told him don't ask me too many questions I'll get on my soapbox and he said that's exactly what I want you to do only I want you to put it on paper and I said I'm no writer and he said you don't think you are but you are he said when you write you just say the words as though you were talking to your best friend and so I did and I wrote a book what to do when mom moves in 
all about taking care of people and how to keep from going crazy in, in the process and how to make them feel like they really belong there and how, how they're needed too. And what we need to really talk about is the fact that, that Daddy became very ill and yes. you ended up taking care of him for a great many years, again, mm -hmm. as a caregiver and then, of course, for your own mother yes. and, and Dad. So you were quite experienced in this area. Yes, by the time I took care of my own mother, I had already gone through three people, um, the in-laws and my father who died of cancer, and uh, then my mother with congestive heart failure and my husband with uh, end-stage renal failure. His kidneys quit on him and he was on dialysis. So it was a, a long road to hoe, but I learned a tremendous amount, not only about how to take care of people, but a lot about how much I could do and how much I could take. Right. You know, you learn a lot about yourself. Right. You know, you learn a lot about yourself right. when you're caring for other people. You took great pains to make sure no one had to suffer elsewhere, that you no. felt they should be around loved ones. And I, I know no. you put so much energy and love in, into the care for Daddy, yes. um, especially when he was in the hospital in Portland, Oregon. Yes. And, um, and you actually moved down there into an apartment instead of having him go into a nursing facility, and you cared for him in an apartment. Mother, that was a feat. I mean, it, it's monumental, but you did it. And for how many months? Uh, let's see. For it was two, He was there for two months. And, well, he was there. No, he was there for eight months. He was indeed. He was there for eight months in and out of the hospital because Medicare would only pay for so many so many days, mm -hmm. and then you had to take him home. And then if something come up again, they could put him back in the hospital. So I took that uh, that apartment, and my mother moved down there with the two dogs, and my husband, who was completely out of his head most of the time, I had to keep him tied to the bed mm -hmm. because he tried to get up, and of course he couldn't walk, he couldn't do anything. He didn't even know who I was. He thought I was his nurse. And. Do I understand right that his kidney specialist thought you were foolhardy to take on this huge <laughs> job? Well, my husband had been put into a rehab place, and it just didn't fit my idea of a good, cleanly place. So I decided when they put him back in the hospital without letting me know that he was going into the hospital, why I said, that's it. I'm going to take care of him myself. And the doctor says, you got to be kidding. You can't do that. And I said, oh, yes, I can, and you just watch me. And not only did I take care of my husband, but a friend of ours had kidney failure that was also from Boardman, and mm -hmm. she was right next door. Yeah, at the and same I, hospital. Yeah, at the mm -hmm. same hospital, and I cooked for both families Wow. during that time. Wow. And one of the saving graces for you, going back to writing, was writing, that you actually started to work on your on your book then, What to Do When Mom Moves In. Yes. Uh, I was uh, at the hospital, bought a laptop or word processor, and I sat there and wrote from my mind what I was thinking during all of this that was going on uh, in the caregiving world. And the nurses found out what I was doing, and they brought me all this information and books from their library that I couldn't possibly get. And the doctor, he gave me instructions as well. 
And um, I learned so much from them that when I took my husband home, I had my mother and my husband both uh, in wheelchairs at the same time and for 13 steps to get down to where my mother was. And then I had to take my husband up four steps to get him to bed, and he couldn't walk. So I learned physical therapy. I learned how to lift people without hurting myself. And I learned how to give bed baths and change the sheets with people in the bed. I mean, it was really fascinating work, wow. actually. Wow. And you learn to stay positive and draw mm -hmm. upon that mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. in your darkest hours. Yes. And when my book came out, why I had a book signing in town on the worst ice storm ever. <laughs> but lot, lots of people came and we sold 65 books. And the gal at the bookstore, she says, I've never had a signing that, that oh. sold more than 12 books in my life. Oh. So 65 was really pretty nice, you had especially so in an ice storm. But then being a columnist for the paper mm -hmm. really made a difference because everybody knew me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to see what I've been doing. Of course. Oh, that's so fantastic. Mm -hmm. So they bought my book. And then sadly after Daddy passed away and your, your own mom passed away, mm -hmm. you were finally alone. Yes. And still writing. I was still writing my column at that point, yes. And then you were back in Connecticut, and you decided that I should come back there for a while. So that's, I did. That's right. But before you came back to me, didn't you go to the L.A. Festival of Books at UCLA, sponsored by the L.A. Times newspaper? Yes, that's right. But if you will, if you will remember right, I had been out there to your place, and that's where I got the information that I had this, oh. that I had to get to Los Angeles. I see. And this was in April, not long after my husband passed away in January. So I flew out there and took my books with me, of course, and I sat on a panel of caregivers and we discussed caregiving and, of course, pushed our books. Mm -hmm. And I met a lot of nice writers there. Lee Child was one of them, which uh, he... Oh, the mystery writer. Yes. He's so popular yes. right now. And Jack he was, Reacher. <laughs> yes. He was, very, he was very good and very, very nice and talked with me, knowing that I was a first-time writer. And it was great. It was absolutely great. And that turned into speaking engagements and mm -hmm. such as that. I did that, and I love that. <laughs> That, natural. That that is so much fun. You're natural. But yes, and I did all of that, and I I spoke once back there with you in Connecticut. Yes, in too. Connecticut at the yes. Second Congregational Church in in yeah. Greenwich about yeah. caregiving and and your book. Yes. But more importantly, when you sat on that panel um, at the L.A. Times Festival of Books at UCLA. You met Roger McFarland, who had a huge influence in your life and your future from then on. He did. He did. Um, Can you explain to our listeners who Roger McFarland is? Well, Roger McFarland has written quite a few books on caregiving, and he's also an advocate for uh, the gay community. Uh, he and... Um, Larry Kramer. Larry Kramer, yeah. He and Larry Kramer um, started... Act Up, I think it's called, and uh, they were advocates for uh, HIV patients and what have you, Absolutely. and they pushed with the government. In fact, Roger uh, spoke to the complete Congress mm -hmm. about um, 
about the AIDS. Mm -hmm. And Larry Kramer, of course, being the great activist yes. for gay rights yes, and he was. AIDS research, mm -hmm. the playwright, the, the scholar, yes. the author, yeah. and, and he's still with us. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. Roger is not, but you formed this wonderful bond with Roger McFarlane. Yes, And eventually, you came back to New York City to kind of kick up your heels a little bit and mm -hmm. live, didn't you? <laughs> yes. When I met Roger at the UCLED, we were having lunch after our, after our speeches and what happened. You. And he came over and said, come on, have lunch with me. So I did. And he, after lunch, he had to catch the plane to go back to New York. And he gave me his card and said, if you're ever in New York, you, come, you give me a call and I will show you my New York. Oh. And he did. And we became very, very fine friends. And every time I was back in New York, he and I chummed around together and had lunch and you know, talked about our writing and all of this type of thing. And he helped me with editing, and he helped me with sentence structure and things of that nature mm -hmm. because he was a fantastic editor. He was a real advocate for you in your writing. And oh, he yes, he was. And mentored you, didn't he? Oh, yes, absolutely. And absolutely. fiercely invited you to edit, edit, edit all the time. Well, I used to send him my columns when I went back home, mm -hmm. and I would send it to him when I thought it was good. And he would just tear it apart. <laughs> and, and he'd say, now you're using cliches and you're using these words and that words and something else. And then he would, he would write back to me and tell me what I did wrong to learn. And then I sent him the final draft after it was perfect. And then he would say, now you can send it to the... To the paper. Now you're a writer. So, okay. yes. <laughs> so there we were, and he also talked me into writing two or three columns ahead. Mm -hmm. So I never got caught short. Wow. And that was a good, was, that was a really good thing. That's one of the best things I learned from him. That's fantastic. Yeah. And what a life that led you into in New York for the couple of months you were there. You were on, on the A-list for parties. Even I'm not on the A-list. <laughs> you did okay. Yes. Every time Roger <laughs> went someplace, I went with Roger. You were invited. Hey. Yes. Oh. Yes. You did okay, Mother. Yep. I even went to, um, uh, to uh, Kramer's 65th birthday party. Wow. Yeah, it was a big garden party. It was fantastic. It was lots good of fun. You. Yeah, he was good. And along the way, we've we've kind of missed out on the fact that you became quite an artist as well, a visual artist and sculptress. And that this is something you still pursue. Yes, that was kind of serendipity. When we pulled some cars off of the road when we had a service station, we pulled one off of a man who had been in prison. And his car was just loaded with all these wonderful art supplies. And we held on to the stuff thinking he would come back to get it, but he was sent back in prison. So we bought the car, and with it came the art supplies. And I decided, well, if somebody's going to give me all these art supplies, I'm going to find out what they're for. So I took some night school classes in sketching and painting and such as that and joined a club that was all artists, and uh, ended up selling a lot of my paintings. Oh, that's so wonderful. Don't you have Fun. a painting actually hanging? In the state capitol? In Salem, Oregon. Yes. We had a representative from Chuck Norris, was a representative from, Boardman, or from Hermiston area, 
and um, they took my painting down there and hung it there for about three months. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I have paintings all over. There's paintings everywhere because I'd sell them and they would go to, I've got some in Arizona, I've got some in New Mexico, and Cal all over California and Oregon. But uh, I'm not what you call a professional artist, but I love it but and you know, I enjoy it. And I, I think the best thing about all of this is you're just honest with your art, whether it's writing, singing, well, painting, um, facing a piece of clay, you know, you, oh, you find the best in it. Clay, I love to do sculptures. And I did one of my granddaughter, that was the first one I ever did, and it was in a, a night school class. They had no place to do it, so they did it in my art studio in Hermiston, <laughs> behind my house. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, it was fun. So you've had all these lives, Mother. You've had all these lives. Where to now? Let's see, how, how young are you? <laughs> I'm 85. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your next adventure going to be? Well, I'm learning to play the piano, and that's something I've always wanted to do. So, you know, at 85, that's not too shabby. That's not too shabby, and you're pretty dedicated on your lovely Calabanova. <laughs> I, I never will have the arthritis because my fingers are always moving. And I still knit and I still draw and sketch and paint and do all those things. And I love to cook. So, you know, I stay busy. And um, writing? Well, I haven't done too much writing, but I've been pressured into doing some more. So there was a challenge on the Internet that said write a, a book in 30 days. So I thought, all right, I can do that. So, so I started writing. <laughs> I started writing, and I wrote about when my husband passed away, until when I met a new man on Match.com, by the way, <laughs> and we are married. And um, from then until now, and I've got enough for almost two books. That's fantastic. There's a time between my first husband's death and my second husband's marriage to him that was quite fun when I was on Match.com looking for somebody to take care of me and had lots of dates and met some interesting people which would almost fill a whole book. It sounds like a good one, too. <laughs> it probably would be. I'm waiting for this, Mother. <laughs> I'm waiting for this. <laughs> I remember when you were going out on dates, and I I felt like the mom letting you go out the door with a man I didn't know, and being fairly worried and asking you to come back early. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Well, they always say that when mothers get older, the daughters take over the mother's job, and they become the children. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to your next creative enterprise. Well, if I ever get it edited, there might be another book. I think it sounds fantastic. If not, if it isn't, if it isn't published, at least you will have it so that you'll know what kind of mischief I've been getting into for the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> and mischief is the name of the game with you. You and your mother, you were well, impish all the way and still are. I always figured, after my husband passed away especially, that I was going to see the world, and I was going to taste it and feel it and enjoy every minute that I was alive. And you have. And I have. Oh, my gosh. 
Wow. Betty Coon. <laughs> Betty Coon. You know, Stephen Sondheim says that, that anyone can whistle. And I know when I was a kid, I heard you whistle at, so beautifully that it sounded mm. like a song. So yeah. I'm convinced that, that Betty Coon, McKenna now, can do anything. You can whistle, you can still dance, and I've got it on video. <laughs> I can prove this. You mm. still sing, and you're still the greatest of artists, but you're the best artist of life. It's a great life if you don't weaken. That's, there you go. How fantastic a phrase is that? Well, that's if, true. If you had one word to sum yourself up with, what would it be? Positive. Yeah. I am very positive about everything. My mother and my father were very positive people, and they always told me that there wasn't anything in this world that I couldn't do if I set my mind to it and stayed positive. And they were right. And they were right, and you've passed that down to me, and that gave me the strength to go on to Europe and do what I did as a singer and performer. Yes. And it gives us that, that kind of space to be able to laugh, too, and know everything's going to be okay. Oh, absolutely. You should be laughing every day and laugh at yourself. Shoot. You know you can do stupid things every day, but get a good laugh from it. <laughs> All right, in honor of Mother's Day, I'm thrilled to have had my mom, Elizabeth Ailing Coon McKenna, on my show, Center Stage. Mommy, thank you so much for being here. I've loved every minute, and well, I love hearing your laugh. Thank you very much. It was fun being here. This is an adventure. <laughs> this is, yes, this is the next adventure. A life well lived? Definitely. Will every moment left in Elizabeth Kuhn's life be rich in spirit? Without a doubt. Because legends are born out of perseverance. So here is our legend again with How Deep is the Ocean? And before I go, I just wanted to thank my producer engineer, Bob Small, for all of his help in these interviews. And the curtain is down on center stage.
sky. 